0: thought it'd be a good time to talk to Bruce Wiley, who is the executive director of FICOR and a professor at SUNY Grad School of Public Health and Health Policy. Bruce, thanks for returning with us again. Let me ask you first about this AstraZeneca stuff. Uh, Fortunately for us in the States, we have not relied on the AstraZeneca vaccine so far, but what is it that we're hearing that their data may have been misstated?
1: Yeah, Mitch, there, there was a concern that the data that they released, they released information on a press release uh, that indicated there was data on the safety and the efficacy of the vaccine, and it, it showed an efficacy that was in the 70, 79%. But then the Data Safety Monitoring Board, which is a group of experts that are that are appointed that are supposed to be separate from the clinical trial and are supposed to oversee uh, the trial results and how the trial is being conducted raised concerns. They said, "Wait, wait! You might be releasing just part of the data, and not all of the data. And just they used the word cherry picking—that there's potentially cherry picking the data so that you're choosing the results from the um, the uh, more positive uh, portion of the uh, uh, trial participants and not including all the data. And that, that the so, actual in other words, their
0: their numbers were not as good as advertised. Yes.
1: Yes, now this comes exactly on exactly the exactly. this
0: comes on the heels of a pause in the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe because of yep. blood clot suspicion. And where are we on that?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, uh, twists and turns with what's with the AstraZeneca vaccine. You know, one of the latest was that there's this concern that there's uh, blood clots may be related to. Um, it, it's a, it's a very few uh, small number of participants, so the people who got the vaccine. So. They're doing this out of caution. I I just want to emphasize it's not like a large number. But the question is, is there a small number of uh, people that may potentially get blood clots from getting the vaccine? This latest trial data is supposed to say no. That doesn't appear to be a risk. But we really have to go back to the data to take a look
0: at it. Well, of course, the larger question that gets raised by this is, is there any possibility that these other ones, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the Johnson and Johnson, that stories are going to come out on them about, oh, well, they may have pushed numbers or rushed numbers, or we're going to start seeing some side effects from them as more people get it. Uh, and this is all kind of the price you pay for going at warp speed.
1: Yeah, it's really important for uh, the, each of the companies to, to make sure that the, their data is reviewed by other people and make sure everything, you know, all the uh, I's are dotted, the uh, T's are crossed. You know, Pfizer did submit their data to the New England Journal, and then it was reviewed by other um, uh, scientists, et cetera. So that's the way you really want to go with this. Uh, You don't want to make announcements before you've actually had other people review the data. So each of the companies may be handling things differently. So, you know, I don't necessarily want to say that what has happened with AstraZeneca will apply to Uh, J&J, Pfizer, or Moderna because they may be handling things differently.
0: How is it that AstraZeneca ended up being the European, the one they use in Europe, and Pfizer, Moderna here? I mean, these are multinational companies. They can distribute and do things anywhere. Is it just just the deals that were made beforehand? How did it come to pass?
1: Well, there were some pauses with the AstraZeneca uh, trials. Like, they were trying to get their— vaccine submitted for FDA approval earlier on, but then there was a problem. They had to pause the trials because there's one person that developed some neurological symptoms and they wanted to see if it was actually related to the vaccine. Turns out it wasn't. So the AstraZeneca vaccine did run into some obstacles at which delayed review uh, via the FDA.
0: But yet they were using it in Europe.
1: Yeah. So I think the, uh, because they they had set, they set up separate trials, uh, you know one within the United States and trials also over there, and those really proceeded at different times, uh, so therefore the ones that were set up here were delayed uh, right. as a result. so you know it's it's you have to get approval in, in, in both
0: places. Now, what is being done to to test the longer term effects? of these vaccines as tens of millions of Americans are getting them, you know, are are they putting the same kind of effort into studying people two months out, three months out, four months out as they did in trying to get these things raced into our hands, which, of course, is how they make money? Uh, Mm -hmm. because people are concerned about, well, we're diving into a new technology here in the case of the mRNA stuff, and and, and, and we're all diving into new vaccines, period. How do we know what the longer term effects are? So what are the efforts being made to study that?
1: Well, the trials are ongoing, so there's continuing um, information that's coming out, and then there are other studies that are being conducted of the vaccine. We we do have to keep in mind that the things that are in the vaccine, like the mRNA, that only survives in the body for a short amount of time, uh, which then generates the immune response. So the thought is that, you know, if you're going to have any effects, it's probably going to be early on. because it's not something that stays in the body for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's continuing trials and continuing studies.
0: Talk to me on the switch gears here a little bit about the uh it's been in the news a lot, the six foot versus three foot social distancing for children in schools. Now they're saying oh you only need to be three feet apart. And then there as a result of that, there have been a number of, of, of articles from reputable places that have said there's no science for any of this, six foot or three foot. Uh it, it just seems to be sort of like what was assumed uh, to be a logical distance. And in fact, like in Europe and some uh, Scandinavian countries, it was always one meter, 39 inches. And, and, and mm-hmm. so uh, there's questionable, um, motivations for stuff that comes to the average American as almost like an edict from Tony Fauci and company like, Oh no, six feet is an absolute mandatory. And now, now three feet's mandatory. If there's no science behind it, why not two and a half feet? Why not 4.1 feet?
1: Yeah, the the six feet number actually came out of studies which showed that when people talk or they um, they cough they followed how far droplets tend to travel like the large droplets the large droplets tend to travel and then drop uh, within six feet so when they do those time lapse um, studies so there is science behind the six feet that's the reason for the six feet um the three feet uh there is 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 concern or question like well you know, why necessarily reduce it by that amount? Uh, but the six feet number is, that's, that's why it was established because it was based on those studies.
0: Okay, uh, continuing questions. Is there any evidence yet that uh, people who have gotten vaccinated are still spreading the disease?
1: That's a good question. And that's something, that's one of the key questions. Like how, when you're vaccinated, how well are you protected as against getting infected because we do know that the data is like what's the chances of you not having symptoms and not having like serious COVID 19 but it's not clear how well it protects you against getting infected it probably does protect you but the question is how much you know can you actually be infected with the virus and not show symptoms you know, even if you've been vaccinated and can you actually spread the virus to others um, and that probably or that chance is not clear yet.
0: Well, why isn't it clear? I mean, why wouldn't that be part of getting a vaccination approved?
1: So the, what they really studied is they the, it, you have to look at the, the clinical trial and how it was actually designed. So they basically, they just looked at what happened over time, like how many people started reporting symptoms, and then they test those people and say, oh, you've got COVID-19, and they compared the numbers. And that's what was tested in the trial because the trials were moving quickly. And that's, you know, that's important. You want to protect against those things. But what wasn't done uh, was, you know, checking people regularly and frequently for presence of the virus. And that's how you check whether, you know, you were actually infected, but you didn't actually have symptoms. Um, So that's why, you know, so there is value in reducing your risk of COVID-19, certainly. Like, that's why it's good to get the vaccine. And that's what it's approved for. But we still don't know since they then regularly, frequently check people's swabs uh, to see if they've actually uh, acquired the virus. But, uh,
0: so that's the difference. Well, but you just said uh, it's good to get the vaccine because it'll keep you from getting uh, uh, COVID-19. But then I also hear you say, well, you could be getting COVID-19. Maybe you won't show any symptoms of it, but the transmittability of it could be the same. Am I understand you correctly?
1: Yeah, the difference. What I meant to say is, it, it, the vaccine will prevent you from getting more severe or more serious COVID nineteen. So, in other words, if you do actually get infected, you may have more mild um, cases. You, you know, you, it's, it's protecting you against death and hospitalization, hospitalization, and all of those bad consequences.
0: Right, that which is, is important, obviously. We like, we yeah, want that. Exactly, but, but if, but if exactly. it doesn't does, doesn't keep us from getting it, period and we therefore can be contagious to other people, um, that seems to me to be a very important factor. Why aren't they studying that? We've had 50 million, 100 million people already have been vaccinated. Why aren't they following them up or exposing them, some of them in a trial to, to COVID to see if they get it and and and, and, and 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 be able to conclude? Because it seems to proceed as a society – with uh, mm-hmm. okay so we've all gotten vaccinated now or 80 percent of us are vaccinated but we still don't know if we can breathe on one another that seems to me to be yeah. a pretty important question
1: yeah i agree it's it's an important question uh you know most likely it probably protects against infection but we don't know how well it actually protects and to do those studies require it they're more involved in other words you have to so you can't deliberately expose people to COVID 19 that's not ethical so you can't do those type of studies but you but we do need more studies where they're actually periodically checking over and over again, you know, giving the doing the nasal swabs and checking, you know, did you get the virus even though you've been vaccinated? And those studies are harder to conduct because, you know, you really have to serially like every week or even more often than that check people's noses uh for the virus. Well, so couldn't you check for
0: couldn't because. you check for antibodies to see if uh if they had had it, or is that going to get messed up once you have a vaccine?
1: Yeah, so that's that's the challenge. So, you know, you're, the vaccine the, the vaccine's supposed to generate an immune response. So, you you know, if you check the antibodies, then, you know, the, that can be from the vaccine.
0: A lot of questions mm-hmm. still to go here. Bruce Wiley is Executive yep. Director of FICOR and Professor at SUNY Grad School of Public Health and Health Policy. Thanks for coming on, Bruce, as always.
1: Thanks, Mitch.